The following is a presentation of WYM, Westminster Youth Ministry. In this study, we are looking at worldviews, asking questions like, what is a worldview? Why is it important? What is the biblical worldview? And why should understanding other worldviews be important for believers? We hope you enjoy. Peter, will you open some prayer? Amen. So we started talking about worldview a couple weeks ago. Last week, Titus, I believe, or was it two weeks ago? Two weeks ago, Titus shared with you a little bit about his experiences in different cultures and, and how worldviews have kind of interacted together. Last week we had the dinner, so we didn't have a lesson. But tonight we're going to talk about the Christian worldview. So somebody define worldview for me again. Gideon? The view of the world. The view of the world. And what does that mean? Whoever you're talking about. Okay, and give me a little bit more than that. What does that mean, Gideon? It's the filter that you pass the world through. Okay, so it's almost like a pair of glasses that you look through to view the world, right? So if you put on a pair of sunglasses, what does that do for, for your view of the world? It changes it. It darkens it, okay? If you, if you put contact lenses in, it changes your view. So a, view, a world view is like a pair of glasses, a pair of lenses. And when we look through it, we filter things through those lenses, no matter what we're, we're looking at, we have a, a specific bias and a specific uh, way of thinking that we we approach certain things. So it's, it's a comprehensive view of the world from a specific standpoint. So the Christian worldview is a comprehensive view of the world from a Christian standpoint. Very basic definition, but that's what we're going to talk about tonight. But just as another picture of how worldviews work, if I put a carrot on that table, different people are going to look at that carrot very differently. So if a photographer walked in, how would he view that carrot? Okay, he or she would view it as art. They might like try to get a very good candid shot of it or, or t- get like a good filter on it. If uh, if a plant expert walked in and saw that carrot, what would they be? What would they do? They'd be fascinated. They'd be like classifying it and giving it scientific names and whatnot. Okay. If a child walked in and saw that carrot, what would they? They'd probably take a take a bite out of it and eat it. Okay. Or they might say, "Ew." Because they don't like that. Okay. <laughs> a rabbit could walk in and think that that's a delicious lunch and eat it. So we all look at things very differently. Same goes with the things we see in this world. We all view things from a certain perspective in the world. And tonight I want us to talk about the Christian worldview. So we'll be asking, what is the Christian worldview? So let me ask you that question. What is the Christian worldview? Somebody besides Gideon. Hannah. Like filtered through the Bible. Yeah, so it's the biblical worldview. It's filtered through what we know from Scripture, what we know about God. So a biblical worldview finds its basis in the Scriptures, in the infallible Word of God. We believe that the Bible is entirely true. Okay? If it wasn't true, then it wouldn't be trustworthy. We allow it to be the foundation for everything that we say and do. Now, every worldview deals with three specific questions. We're going to work through all three of those questions tonight. The first is, where do we come from? The second is, what is wrong with the world? And the third question is, how do we fix it? So let's start with that first question. Where do we come from and why are we here? Can I get whoever has those first two verses to go ahead and read? Genesis one twenty-seven to 28. Let's start there. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God says to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Okay. In 215. Uh, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden, Eden to work it and keep it. All right, so get in. Where do we come from? 
according to that passage. <laughs> yes, we, we do come from God. And Jack, what is what, why are we here? What is our purpose? Okay, so why did God create humans? Anybody can answer this. To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Okay, and He's given us work to do in order to do that. So He He puts us on this world for a specific purpose, and that purpose is to glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. But He also gives us specific work for us. Rob works with Matt. Peter works with Matt. I work with y'all. Okay, your parents work with. Whatever they work with, okay? The Lord puts us in places to work and glorify Him through all that we do. Okay? So we're called to govern the world and enjoy fellowship with Him. Man was created for the purpose of filling the earth, as that passage says. So what do we know about God? What are some things that we know about God that helps us understand this question of where do we come from? He's the creator. Okay, yes, He's the creator. Okay, He has the power. All-knowing. All-knowing. All-present. Okay. Yes, okay. He's, he's loving. He's merciful. Okay. The list can go on and on forever. Uh, Deuteronomy 32 4 says, The rock, his perfect work is, or his work is perfect, for all his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness without iniquity, just and upright is he. So we know from Scripture that God is good and he loves us and he put us here to glorify him. So all worldviews deal with the question of why we're here. What is the purpose of life? We know from Scripture that we're here to glorify him. God, because he is good. And how did God create the universe? Do you all know? With his word. Okay, with his word, but how did he create it? Did, did he take a bunch of like materials that were beside him and say, I'll, I'll mix these together? Okay, so he created everything out of nothing. Okay, Meaning, there was nothing outside of himself that he used to create this universe. He is all-powerful, and he did it simply by the power of his spoken word. Now, if he did that, and if, if human beings are, as Scripture says, created in the image of God, okay? Gideon read the passage. He created male and female in his own image. If we're created in the likeness of God, then this identity with him, our identity as created beings, gives us value, it gives us dignity, it gives us significance, uh, it gives us distinctiveness, and it gives us worth not only to, to us, but to everyone on the planet. So... When we try to understand the Christian world, we have to remember that every single person on this earth, whether they're a believer or not, were created to bring glory to God. Why would that be a helpful lens for us to think through? Helps us realize that all people are inherently valuable, so we can't just be mm. we want to be mean. Yeah, it means that God looks at, you know, Jack, and attributes the same amount of value as he does, you know, somebody else that may not be following Christ. It doesn't mean that he doesn't appreciate Jack's love for him. But the value is there. The value is there. And he loves all of his people. So let's go to the second question. What's wrong with the world? Somebody read Genesis 3, 1 to 7 for me. Who had that one? I got it. Um, if it was more crafty than any other piece of the field that the Lord God had made, he said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the servant, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her. 
and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig, fig leaves together and made themselves one. Okay, so what is wrong with the world? Sin. We have sinned against God, and we have subjected the whole world to that curse through the fall. Okay. Now, when the serpent tricked Eve into eating that fruit, he took God's word and twisted it just a little bit. Okay. If you look at the, the words used, they're very similar, and he just tweaks it just a little bit to make it a little bit more enticing, saying, well, don't, that's not what God really said. This is what he said, and he tricked Eve. And because of that, man and woman have fallen if you look at the Hebrew of that verse when he says, you shall not surely die, there's an emphatic Hebrew verb that actually repeats the verb. So when God said, you will die, it means you will die, die. Like it, It's like a pretty emphatic, like this is a very serious thing. And when taken out of context and, and not truly understanding that, we have the fall. Okay? What are some other things that we can look at the world and say, this is the problem? Uh, or what are other things that we try to blame for the world's problems? There are tons. Okay, people. Politics. Okay, governments. What else? Um, social media. Okay. Media, social media. What else? <laughs> what about just injustice in general? Um, Pride. Okay, are all these things bad? Yes, but are they the source of the problem? <laughs> no, what is the source of the problem? Sin is. Okay, all these things are, are bad, but ultimately they're bad because... Of sin, okay, and we have to understand that. We have to understand that yes, there's bad leadership out there, but there's bad leadership because there's sin in the world. So we can't just sit there and blame every political leader that comes up and falls short, because all political leaders are going to fall short, no matter who they are, okay? Because they're sinners. Why is understanding this so crucial, or why is it helpful for us? I mean, it gives us a need for God. If we mm-hmm. recognize our sin, we know that we need a Savior and that we need God. Mm-hmm. But what else? You don't take it out on people. What do you mean by that? Like, I don't know. It's not, like, it is people's fault, but mm-hmm. we understand that it's something bigger mm-hmm. than just, like, a worldly perspective. Yeah, it gives us a little bit more insight into people's hearts and souls. So we can know that people make decisions not because of you know environments or, or anything. It's because they're, they're sinful. Without understanding the source, that being sin, we can never truly understand the thing itself. Okay? Without understanding the source, we can never truly understand the thing itself. People can place all the blame they want on environments, upbringing, social hierarchies, governments, whatever it is. But the truth is, all those things change. And people grow up in those circumstances and become completely different people. You can have somebody grow up in a certain environment and turn out just fine. And somebody can grow up in that same environment and turn out really awful. Or you can have somebody grow up in uh, a different type of you know, hierarchy or government system and they turn out okay. And other people, they don't turn out okay. People go through different things and react very differently. So we can't just blame environments and governments and social hierarchies or whatever it is. What is, what is to blame? Sin. And we have to realize that. We have to realize that, okay? So, yes, all those things, they're not good, okay? Certain governments are not good towards their people. Certain social structures are not good towards people. But the source of the problem is sin, and we have to realize that that's the number one problem. That's the number one problem for people's hearts, okay? We can change all we want about the government, education. We can try and change the world by doing good things for people. But unless we start going after people's hearts... 
and pointing them to Jesus, none of that really, really matters. All those things are good. Changing, changing things is good. But unless we're, we're truly trying to help people with their biggest need, then we're missing the mark. So have you ever struggled to fix something? Okay, whether it's something simple like a broken bike or a toy to like something big like fixing a relationship. Have you ever had to fix something? What goes through your mind as you're trying to fix something? Don't mess up. Don't mess up. Okay. <laughs> Have you ever tried to fix something and you got frustrated because you thought you knew what was wrong with it? Yes. And then you fix it and you're like, oh, now i got to fix something else. And then you got to go find the source of that. And the source of that. Okay, until you get to the, the thing that, yes? It's harder to trust God when you're trying to fix something yourself. Because mm-hmm. you're trying to learn how to trust yourself, but you're learning how to trust God. Yeah. And part of that comes in realizing that, that not only are other people sinful, like say if we're trying to fix a relationship, we have to realize, yes, they're sinners, but I'm a sinner too. Or when it comes to, you know, as something as simple as fixing a bike, like I'm broken, I'm, I'm a sinner, sometimes I need help, and that's okay. I'm going to go ask my dad or go consult YouTube and find out how to fix this thing. We can go after the symptoms all we want, but until we go after the source, nothing can change. That's what I want to drive home with you all tonight. We have to experience that at an individual level. So, if you can take anything from tonight, know that you're a sinner, and that's okay, because God has redeemed us. Okay? But until we start you know, owning that a little bit more, we're not going to see our own hearts change. And how can we expect other people to change if we're unwilling to change? Okay? Who here is a very stubborn person? Okay, I, I know all of you. You should all be raising your hands. Okay? We tend to be harsher critics of who? Other people than ourselves. Okay? We can do the same exact thing as our friends, but we're way more critical of them than we are of ourselves. So we have to be willing to look at that and be like, look, I'm a sinner too. If I expect them to give me grace, I need to give them grace as well. So the wonderful thing about understanding that we're sinners is that it helps us understand the mercy of God more. Because he's the only solution to the world's problems. And we can fix all we want, but he's the only solution to the world's problems. So let's look at these last couple verses. Genesis 3.15 and Luke 19.10. We're going to ask the question, how can we fix it? That's a trick question, by the way. All right, Genesis 3.15. I will put between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and he shall bruise your feet. Okay, in Luke 19.10. Um, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Okay, so how can we fix the problem of the world? We can't. We can't. But it's already been fixed for us. It's already been fixed for us. How, Alexis? What was promised in your passage? In Genesis 3.15. Okay. Okay, so he's talking to Satan, and he's promising that there's going to be a spiritual battle, and that who's going to win? God. God is. Jesus will. He will be the one that crushes Satan and, and defeats evil. Okay, so the promise is there, and what was the purpose of that promise? To? To save the lost. Okay, so that's the only solution to the world's problems. God himself has redeemed the world through the sacrifice of Christ, and that's the only way that we can see change. Okay, when I lived in Charlotte, there was this program that was going on to try and boost the, the education in that area. And what they, they did is they tried to funnel a bunch of money into West Charlotte to try and like boost the schools, get grades up, make everybody's situations better. So they gave iPads to every person in that district. Okay? Not like, here's an iPad to use it. Not iPads to just use at school, but they, they gave iPads to everybody in the district. Now, what they found... Yes. What they found was that those iPads started mysteriously disappearing. 
And they were requesting more and more and more until they realized that they were just selling the iPads to pawn shops, keeping the money, and then asking for more iPads. Okay. okay? What's the source of that problem? Is it, is it the thievery or the theft or the, the dishonesty? No, it's the sin. Okay? We, we all have simple hearts. We're all capable of stealing someone else's stuff and selling it to a pawn shop. Okay? One of my friends, he uses this, this sentence a lot, and I think it's, it's a bit challenging but I think it's also a good reminder for us. The seeds of Hitler are in each one of our hearts. Okay? The seeds of Hitler are in each one. It's very true. It's very true. We're, we are not that far away from, from being that evil. Okay? But the point of me telling you that story is we can try and fix the problems with programs, with education, with whatever we want. But until people's hearts are changed, nothing will change. Okay, again, we can go after symptoms, but until we go after sinful hearts, ours first, ours first, then we will see nothing change. So we must trust Him to do that in others and to do that in ourselves. All right, so Isaiah 65, 17 and 25. Who's got that one? Um, 17 and 25. Yes, sir. Uh, for behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in that which I see. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and be glad in my people. No more shall be heard in it the sound of weeping and the cry of distress. No more shall there be an, an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be. And my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children of calamity. For they shall be the offspring of the blessing or of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like an ox, and dust shall be the serpent's foot. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, says the Lord. Alright, so what is the hope that is presented in that passage, Micah? Um, that there's going to come a day when uh, we don't have to worry about the suffering and pain in this world. Okay, so the hope is that Jesus will work in the hearts of people and transform them and draw them to himself to fix the problem. Okay, which is what? Sin. Okay. One day he's going to restore creation to its former perfect state. Okay. And the true problem with this world is that it doesn't think it has a problem. That's why we have things like, oh, I'm a good person. Or, uh, you know, people aren't born sinful. They're just made sinful because of the, the situations that they're in. Okay. That's why those types of ideas are pretty popular. Because they'd rather think about that than think about the actual problem that the world has. So as you go about your life, my hope and prayer for you is that you view the world from these lenses that we talked about tonight. That you're created by God for a specific purpose. There is a problem with you, but it has been redeemed and it has been fixed. And the Lord's going to continue to fix that in your heart for the rest of your life as he sanctifies you and grows you closer to him. Worldviews are comprehensive. They affect everything in life, from money to morality, politics to art. And true Christianity is more than just a set of ideas that you use on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. It affects all of life. The Bible never talks about your Christian life and your everyday life. Okay? Do, do we see that anywhere in scriptures? 
Were there separate separations? No. The Christian life is the only life that there is. And I want to caution you and say that if, if you have that separation, like if, if you look at your life and you know for a fact that you're a completely different person at school or at work than you are on Sunday mornings at church or Wednesday nights, then I want you to like really do some soul searching on that. Because if, if we're only seeking to glorify God when we're in a church setting, then it does no good for our hearts. In fact, God, he does not like that. Okay, so... Again, I don't say that to like shame you or make you feel bad. I really want you all to think about it because we all do that, myself included. We all can grow in that area. We have to be believers every single day. We have to have the Christian worldview every single day. We can't just forget about it and then come back to it on the weekends because what the scriptures tell us is that's like a person looking in the mirror and then walking away and immediately forgetting what they look like. You're made in God's image. He loves you. And he wants you to be doing exactly what you're made to do, which is to glorify him. And sometimes we can forget that. We need reminders. So that's, that's our reminder for tonight. Jesus proclaimed himself as the way, the truth, and the life. And in doing so, he became our worldview. Okay? And we need to honor him in every area of life and filter everything through that understanding of him. Amen? Amen. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for this time that we can come and discuss these things. Lord, I do pray that as we spend some time digging a little bit deeper into this subject, that you would bless our time. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Okay. Thank you for tuning in. We hope this has been helpful for you. And keep an eye out for new audio upcoming from WYM.